0: Our guest, work futurist Sophie Wade, shares the key to leading to compete in the new era of work. Find out more. Join us for Episode 273 of Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper.
1: This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott.
0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right next to me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper.
1: Hi, everybody. It's great to join you again. And as always, our purpose here is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas to help visionary leaders accelerate themselves and, of course, their companies through their next level of game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. And these days, it's become clear that The workplace is changing in profoundly new ways that affect all those things.
0: Yes. Remember when at first so many of us thought remote work was just a phase, (laughs) you know, it's brought on by the pandemic and then we go back to normal, whatever that meant.
1: Yeah. And now with the rise of digital technology and new expectations, remote and hybrid work has become an ongoing arrangement.
0: But that's just the tip of what's happening. Yeah. Leading to compete means we need to stay attuned not just to the present but to the future of work.
1: Absolutely.
0: That's why we're glad to be speaking today with Sophie Wade. She's a work futurist, international keynote speaker, author, instructor, and workforce innovation specialist at Future of Work Consultancy, Flexel Network. Over 550,000 people have taken her LinkedIn video courses on empathy, Gen Z, and future of work skills. Sophie's executive advisory work and transformative workshops help leaders adapt to new business conditions and attract, engage, and retain a multi-generational distributed workforce. Sophie's latest book, which we're going to be referring to today, is Empathy Works, The Key to Competitive Advantage in the New Era of Work. She also is a podcaster. She has a popular podcast called Transforming Work with Sophie Wade. And Sophie came to us courtesy of another Growth Igniter's radio guest, our friend, Dr. Gina Cox. Sophie, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio.
2: Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you, Scott. Uh yes, and it's wonderful to be connected with you via Gina. She's a super person and an amazing, amazing book that came out last last year? Is it last year? Was it this this year? Yes, yes last year, end of last year. Which it was. She won so many awards for. I, I'm so impressed and, and proud of her. Absolutely.
0: And I met you right around that same time, and your book, your newest book, had just come out. You were busy (laughs) on a whirlwind tour. So let's share more with our listeners. What led you to write that new book or your newest book, I should say, Empathy Works? So I had been
2: talking about the future of work. And within that, three sort of main pillars. One was how leadership styles were changing. The second was sort of decentralized working, effectively remote working pre-pandemic. And also the challenges of sort of miscommunications, misunderstandings between generations. And that particular one, there were so many complaints and lamentations about these terrible millennials. So I actually then said, okay, time out, time out. Let me just try and understand. Went through lots and lots of research. And it was in putting myself in their shoes and saying, okay, what is different for this generation? Yes, you know, any any generation that's coming into the workforce or, you know, growing up at a particular time in their career and their sort of career arc and life arc, we have many similarities. But the technology education that they were having, and of course, Gen Zs have been very different as well how that has been changing things and the career arcs have been changing, like how they're experiencing their careers. And so for me, it really was a question of when I put myself in their shoes, I understood their situation differently. And so I started talking about empathy and it's was like, well, if I put myself in remote workers' shoes, the decentralized workforce. They don't have the same experience as for people who are working in the office in the same way. They may me feel isolated. They maybe feel disconnected. And so that was how empathy came up. So I was already speaking about it prior to the pandemic. And then, of course, the pandemic caused us to be so much more connected and raw and vulnerable. We saw into each other's homes. We saw much more depth, more dimensionality about each other. And also, The future of work arrived sort of in 2020, really accelerated by all the the sort of integration and embedding of technologies as we needed to connect with people working from home, working in under pressure on the front line. And so empathy became that much more relevant, much more understood and spoken about. And so I really wanted to capture a lot of the different elements of that, particularly because now we are needing to to be working much more closely together. We're needing to, there's much more teamwork, much less predictability in our workplace. And therefore, it seemed to be the time. And because empathy works, I thought, well, I should should write about that. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, I just want to clarify for everybody. You know, some people will hear empathy and they think sympathy. Mm. And I just want to make sure that we're all defining empathy in the same kind of way, can you tell us how you define empathy? Yes,
2: empathy—it's actually empathy and compassion. I think it's, there's there's not so much of a clear line, but it is the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And feel what they're feeling or experience what they're going through, connect with what they're going through and their experiences from their perspective. So it's not you putting yourself in their shoes, but it's you're putting yourself in their shoes and seeing the world as they see it. And that's kind of like almost the hardest thing of all.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a person-person connection. That creates a greater sense of connection and understanding. Now you've used the phrase human-centric leadership. Tell us a little bit about that and how does that create a competitive advantage in this new era of work that you've been talking about?
2: as the nature of work has been changing, driven by technology. So, the future of work really is so much. There have been some societal changes, but overall, it is generally driven by technology, which has interconnected us. It has sped everything up. We have customer loops, which are much shorter. We're getting feedback from customers, whether whether we like it or not. And we're having to make changes. If you think about Windows 95, Windows 97, they were two years apart. But whereas Zoom actually introduced 400 new features over the course of 2020 alone, so there's this continuous process of updating and upgrading, and that's sort of symbolic of how we've we're we're needing to keep moving. There's no there's no specific product releases; it's a sort of ongoing change. And in that environment, it is so much less predictable. Where we're needing to come together in cross disciplinary teams, we're needing to to bring people with different mindsets and different capabilities together, and working much more closely in teams. So I think. HBR said that collaborative work has gone up 50% over the last 20 years. Project work has increased 40-fold over the last 20 years. So we're working very, very different ways. and We're working together as humans much more closely.
0: That's really interesting. The more that we are digitized, the more human-centric we need to be. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. So I see it as this such a very cool uh, sort of
2: equilibrium, right? So there's, a, the, there's all this technology and yet it's actually bringing us together as talent that much more. So I do see both HR and IT as being very strategic in businesses now. They really need, and facilities management, I think is also really important as well, coming together because IT now is no, it's not no longer just providing emails or it's just sort of, you know, that back office, it's a cost function. It is strategic as are, as are your talent. So HR has to become a strategic role because they're the ones who are using all these amazing technologies. It is really changing. We need to shift our mindsets. And that's a big, big thing in terms of how we're thinking about leadership, how we're leading. We're needing to decentralize decision-making. So leaders become more guides, overseers, rather than doing this sort of command and control. They can't have all the answers. We're moving way too fast.
0: What makes empathy, as as you've been writing about it, an especially critical value, mindset, and skill under these particular circumstances? And we'll start here, and we'll keep on going after our break. When we're we're needing to work that much more closely together,
2: you know, there's been this phrase for a while now, which says, you know, bring your whole self to work. Well, we have been rather sort of two-dimensional cutouts. You know, we haven't been fully into that dimensionality of ourselves that we saw during the pandemic And we need to give space. We need to put more thought into understanding, like, who actually are you, Pam and Scott? If I'm going to work together with you, I need to try and understand your perspective. Because when you say something, I've got to make sure that I understand what you mean, not what I hear you say. Because, and I've done this sort of, you know, a bit of a game between generations. For example, career, career. For all the generations, that career used to be you know, lifelong, linear, You know, it was many, 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 many years going incrementally up the ladder. Well, for somebody who is just coming in, who's fresh in the workplace, it doesn't look linear at all. It, it goes left and right. And some of the progress is uh, horizontal, some is diagonal. It sort of meanders. You go from company to company, building up skills. So just the word career means one simple word, hard work, hard work. To somebody who is a maybe a boomer or a, or a Gen X, create a vision, contra a vision of somebody working late, late hours at the office. And yet, for you know millennial, maybe a Gen Z, you keep away from some of these labels, but it can be working a forty hour week, but very effectively using you know great technologies, apps, you know whatever it might be, and both may be actually getting the same amount of work done. Both may be producing amazing results and working hard. So, there are a lot of ways that we can misunderstand each other if we're not being really careful about the words that we use and making sure that we're empathizing, we're leaning in and saying, so Pam, what did you mean by that? Or if I heard you, did I hear you correctly? This is what I heard. And then you get a chance to actually explain a little bit more to me to make sure that that we both actually have the same understanding.
0: So when I was saying, Sophie, let's talk about what you really mean by empathy, that is actually
1: (laughs) There you go. Exactly. Very important. And as you said, Sophie, communication is more and more important. And we talk about effective communication, open communication. And if people don't feel that connection, they're not going to reveal what they really think, what they really feel, what they really need. And there's this huge gap that can put us all over a cliff.
2: Exactly. And so empathy, you know, it really does help when people have more common understanding or shared memories or shared, you know, it could be that if we had had a little bit more time, we could have, you know, whether you have dog, you have a cat, I have two dogs. So I know that you're a pet person. So, so I feel a little bit more connected to you. If we binge watch the same TV show, again, we'd feel that much more connection. And where there are more connections, where there's more common ground, more common understanding, it's easier to empathize. So there have been some people who sort of push back on empathy and saying, well, it's easier to, to, it can be, it can reinforce biases. Well, you know, anything can really. So I think just being, so I just want to put a pin in that and sort of say, yes, and the point about um, being more thoughtful, being thoughtful about connecting, being thoughtful about the more that we can connect with, have this shared understanding. So we we do want to make sure we're developing relationships with employees, with team members, with co-workers, so that we can, we can empathize more easily. We can have that understanding because I kind of go, oh, well, they loved, you know, whatever it's billions as I did. And therefore, if I'm having a bit of disagreement with Pam, I'll give her a bit more leeway because I know that she and I actually, you know, really do connect on that particular thing. That was so funny, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, these things, these moments of connection are very important to, to remember and actually recall, particularly. If we're going to go into a difficult conversation, that I might actually bring some of that up or start the conversation so it would put us all at ease, including myself, so that we then can start on the right foot.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dig deeper with work futurist, international keynote speaker, and award-winning author, Sophie Wade, about the impact of empathy and human-centric leadership in the new era of work. Stay with us.
1: This is Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. As always here at BAI, we focus on enabling visionary CEOs and C-suite leaders to accelerate the momentum it takes to achieve game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth.
0: You know, it's so exciting to be well into our ninth year of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Wow, yeah. Yeah, we're proud that we've received top podcast recognition in 2022 and that we were named a top podcast by Thinkers 360 Thought Leaders again in 2023. Yay! This year, we're having more conversations with CEOs and thought leaders like Sophie Wade, who are changing the face of business. And we're featuring more of our own quick take episodes as well.
1: Right. And if you're enjoying listening to this podcast, become a recommender, spread the good word. Just open Growth Igniters Radio on whatever podcast app you use, write a review and feel free to share links to your favorite episode, maybe this one, on your social media.
0: Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me. And Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with work futurist, international keynote speaker, and award-winning author, Sophie Wade, about leading to compete in the new era of work. Sophie, tell us how people can find out more about you, your books, your speaking, your LinkedIn courses, and Everything else. Thank
2: you, Pam. So uh LinkedIn is actually a very good place to be checking out all the different things that I'm doing. My courses are there, but I also post a lot of articles. I comment on articles and share research and comment on research as well. There's been a bunch of articles in the media which have been a little bit inflammatory. So I've been sort of making some comments there. Also sophiewade.com have a lot of information from on my speaking and flexelnetwork.com, and that's my the future of work consultant.
0: And you can find out more information and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 273, and scrolling down to resources. In our first segment, Sophie was clarifying, empathizing with each other about the word and what it really means and how we can begin to create connections so that we can be more productive, more creative, and all the things that it's going to take to lead in this new era of work. Let's dig a little deeper here. Everybody has stories about these things. And I know you have so many stories. Can you share just one with us about the impact of leading with empathy in the workplace in this new work era? (laughs)
2: <laughs> there are so many moments. There was one particular one, in fact, this in my book at the very beginning, because it was it was an enlightening one for me. I was talking to a woman business owner. I did a lot of work for with NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners. She has her own business. She has, um, I'm not quite sure how many employees, but she has a, a good number of employees and is an accounting firm. And she was wanting to, she was having problems hiring more accountants, more young accountants. And the issue I was going back and I was trying to sort of offer some solutions and saying, well, instead of actually having your accountants go on site for your clients and go all the way, then they could could actually connect using Zoom or this was obviously pre-pandemic. And she was like, no, 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 they have to be on site. They have to be on site. And I was like, yes, but you're wasting 20 minutes, like driving to, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, driving there and driving back. And if you don't have that many people and you're, you're so short staffed, then maybe that would be a one way to do it. Ultimately, but, and she kept pushing back and she kept pushing back. And ultimately, I suddenly realized, she was empathizing with her clients. She was trying to make sure that her clients' businesses were taken care of. And that's where she was focused. I was empathizing with her and her business issue. And so I was missing the point. And and finally, when I actually said, well, hang on a second, you said to me that the most critical thing for you was, Ensuring that your clients stayed in business, right? Well, how about you pitch it to them as though and explain to them that using this new technology is going to help their businesses stay in, in business. It's to help them stay in business and be, be operating and you know forward thinking and pioneering. And and finally, she sort of stopped and she stopped arguing against me. And I was like, oh, okay, I did it. But it was it was later after that that I realized that I I had met her where she was. She was thinking about the client. And I was thinking about her. It wasn't that I didn't care about her clients. So that, for me, was really interesting in terms of I hadn't put myself in her shoes and what she was focused on. And I think there are lots of CEOs now who are really focused on their clients and still trying to make sure that their clients are taken care of. And also, we need to be thinking as well about our employees, the people who are who are really tasked with, with trying to adapt to this very, this transformational environment We're really, it's a very messy period where we're trying to adapt to not just new ways of working, but new ways of operating. And in giving people more flexibility to be working in different ways, to be working where they need to be working to be able to do their best work, not, not only individually, but also amongst teams members, so making compromises across a team. These are the things that are going to help people trans- transition and be working together more closely during this rather, you know, turbulent, a little bit disruptive period. We had the, you know, the pandemic was very disruptive. Now, now we're just going through a sort of period of, of uncomfortable and I'd say messy change.
1: Now, Sophie, one of the things I found very interesting about your story is it really illustrates one of the concepts that Pam and I talk about a lot which is if you're talking and talking and talking and nothing productive is happening, you're probably talking about the wrong thing. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Yes, (laughs) exactly. Whether it's (laughs) you never put the remote back or (laughs) or (laughs) whatever, but how can we become more sensitive to that thing that signals us, I got to have to change my point of view. I have to ask the questions a little differently, so that we can have that more effective connection. What are some things that people can do? In my book, I, I talk about the sort of the theory and, and why we're here and how things are changing.
2: And then I get very practical in terms of empathy habits. And a key aspect of that is listening. So there's the setting up a meeting or setting up, setting up an interaction, which I sort of talked about in terms of Making sure we all have, we have common ground, connecting. You know, how's your cat? How's my dogs? You know, just like getting familiar, reconnecting on the places that we know that we have connections, we have common grounds. We we're our sort of our minds are open and not resistant to being receptive, and then if as we're talking, as we're explaining where we are or what the issue is or what our opinion is, the other person is then listening and asking open questions. The closed questions, the sort of the yes-no type question, can be helpful to to wrap up a conversation. But as we're as we're trying to understand and not judge, not make assumptions, because that's when we get in trouble, because it means I'm kind of like say, well, that's what Pam meant. Well, I don't necessarily know what Pam meant. So I need to be open, be checking that I understood and maybe, as I said, restating, this is what I heard, is that what you meant, can be a helpful way of teasing out whether I actually did understand it and giving you another way. Well, actually, no, that's not exactly what I meant. You can then also rethink maybe what you said to clarify whether whether that was what you meant. The interactions and confirming can be very very helpful as well as when you are first speaking i'm watching your body language i'm looking to your facial expression i'm listening to the tone of your voice you know are you engaged and you are doing the same to me as i'm listening like right? are we connected are we both leaning into this conversation Are we paying attention are we looking at the signals and if you saw that maybe something's off and you you kind of like oh i know sophie but she doesn't seem. She doesn't. I don't know. There's something a little bit off. Then maybe you sort of say, "Hey, Sophie, before we actually get into this, because you know, there's a lot of stuff we have to discuss, is something going on? Because that gives me the opportunity to kind of go, no, 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 Pam, it's fine. I'm just a little bit distracted by something, but no, 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 we're good, and then we can get into it. But I, I've also understood that you, you care." you recognize that something was going on and that all I need to kind of go, okay, all right, well, we can we can talk about that that later. Or it may be sort of say, you know, Scott, I, I really, I actually need to take a time out and maybe can we just, and this is an important conversation, maybe we can deal with that later. So these sensitivities to the tones of voice, the body language, all these types of things, these are sort of, we can be like detectives decoding to really have better, more productive, and better results um, from any of our interactions.
0: I like what you're saying because curiosity is something we talk a lot about. Curiosity is really so much better than assumption, because otherwise we may assume wrong. And it is even more important, empathy is, because we have more than just employees. We have more than just customers. We have all kinds of other stakeholders. So the idea of becoming more empathetic to all these different perspectives is going to only become more important, wouldn't you say? absolutely. And at the speed that we're working at now, we're also coming
2: together in these groups. We're, we're bringing marketing people, then business business development and product development people, people who come with very different perspectives and ways of thinking, that cognitive diversity, which means we're more likely to not quite understand it. Rather. And across generations, we're coming with different perspectives. Some people with very traditional ways of thinking about things and using technologies. And we need to be listening to the youngest people in the organization who can be the most technically intuitive, so to speak. And so really trying to bridge those gaps, trying to to understand all these different perspectives so that we can use all everybody's contributions in the best way possible. That's, you know, the bar has truly been raised from where we were before. And we're working at a pace. It isn't as predictable. We're having to pivot. We're having to make different decisions based on all these sort of customers changing behaviors, as I said. So whatever we were doing before, we need to be upping our game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Scott and I will speak more with work futurist, international keynote speaker and award-winning author Sophie Wade about immediately useful ideas for establishing new empathy habits in the new era of work. Stay with us.
1: You're listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, where we focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase the momentum for game-changing results. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. Have you ever wondered
0: if so many CEOs think it's important to lead for business transformation and long-term growth in a rapidly changing world? why can it be so challenging to break the orbit of the status quo? Hmm. Hmm. As an author and advisor to visionary CEOs who often face mysterious pushback to their big ideas, that was the question that sent me on a long search for answers. So what's the secret of the great leaders? The successful visionary leaders I call growth igniters? The ones who are able to ignite game-changing business growth over and over again? What's their secret? They're able to anticipate and embrace the hidden leadership dynamics that can naturally emerge in uncharted territory. How do they do this? That's what I share in my keynote, Break Orbit Achieving Long Term Growth in a Short Term World.
1: Go to PamHarperspeaks.com today to find out more about Pam's keynote and her availability to speak at your next leadership conference or executive retreat.
0: Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with work futurist, international keynote speaker, and award-winning author Sophie Wade about leading to compete in the new era of work. Sophie, remind us how people can find out more about you and your books and all the things that you offer on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. Yes, LinkedIn is a good place, Wade.com as well as Network.com. And also my podcast is Transforming Work with Sophie Wade, which is available on all platforms. And we recommend it. You can also find out more information and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 273, and scrolling down to resources. We are at the point in our episode where we talk about very practical things, three immediately useful ideas. And in this case, it's about establishing new empathy habits to help our leaders and organizations become more competitive in the new era of work. So let's take each idea one at a time, Sophie. What's your first one?
2: I've already mentioned in terms of like setting up a meeting and some of the things that you can do in a meeting. So I'd like to focus at this point on some of the intergenerational challenges that we're seeing a lot of tension to do, whether it's to do with ways of working and work arrangements and assumptions about, you know, why people are doing this and why they're asking for that. So I think in in that sense, one of the areas that I think would be a really interesting place for people to be asking questions is about careers and upskilling and how people are looking at the new sort of progress that younger people, especially are making in the workplace or looking to make in the workplace and how long their skills are actually valid, the half life of skills, like how, how long does it take for skill to sort of become half as valuable? And so with respect to that, I'd ask leaders and team leaders and managers, to be really trying to connect with and ask questions of their team members about what their concerns are, what how they want to be upskilling, what their the next progress that they want to be having in their career, how they want to be growing. There's a lot of misunderstanding that I'm seeing and 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 working with companies to try and connect people to sort of really understand that how much we've moved away from these linear career progression. So I think really stimulating, sort of empathizing both the young person who is who is the team member talking to their manager, sort of understanding their perspective and the manager talking to them about um, sort of what their concerns are, how, how can we get, how can we meet our business needs, how can we get our tasks done, get our projects done. At the same time, the, young, the team member is really looking to be upskilled, to grow, to meet the business needs, but also to be continually making sure that they can stay competitive.
0: This really resonates too, because we were just having a conversation with Eddie Turner. I believe you know him as well. yes. And so we were talking about emerging leaders and what you were sharing with us fits so neatly with that too, because now you're talking about being curious, not assuming, having the ability Mm -hmm. to identify things in people where they go. I didn't know they wanted to do that. (laughs) You know, I always thought they wanted to just do something else. And they're telling me they want to grow in this direction. Wow.
1: And focusing on outcomes, outcomes, the things that, that need to happen in the business, not activities, but what has to happen and the outcome of what the person wants, not what they want to do, but what it means to them and how that will help them meet their dreams and ambitions. Specificity.
2: Exactly, so you end up having a much more powerful, closer relationship and more powerful conversation that connects the team member and their manager. And there's a much more fruitful dialogue that helps the manager not make, not assume what is causing the person to be acting or not acting exactly the way that they would assume that they would have done in that particular situation. I mean, for example, side hustles. Side hustles is, you know, 60, I think it's 59% of Gen Zs and 61% of millennials and also 36% of Gen Xs apparently have side hustles. And that for the most part is about reducing financial stress is making sure that they have some kind of financial cushion. It is not necessarily a distraction tool. It is simply, I don't have any job security. I need to be paying the rent. You know, I could be fired at any moment. I could be let go. I'm very worried about that. And so it's not trying to to not care. It's not trying to be quite quitting or whatever. It really is trying to be very practical. So there are assumptions that people can make, but if you have the conversation and you understand more about your employee, your team member, what they care about, what their strengths are, what their skills are, and try and sort of align them with what they're doing, help them progress. Like, what is it that you want to be doing next? Oh, you want to be over there? Okay, let's just try and work that out. You want to maybe be on one of these other teams? Okay, let's try and see that. You may not be able to do that immediately, but maybe in, in a few months time we'll talk to John maybe you can do a side project which is additional to your work but at least you can get to explore that and see if that's something you want to do fantastic the younger folks are not they, they're not demanding all these things they really are keen to grow they keen they want to reduce their financial anxiety and they want to make sure they stay competitive once the managers hear more of that it actually helps you know builds the trust because they actually sort of understand more about where the person is coming from And the fact that they're actually both going in the same direction, much more than they they probably thought they
1: were. Good. What's another practical way to hook into another empathy habit?
2: I do look to leaders to be more facilitators in a meeting which means generally not necessarily giving your idea first maybe not even offering your idea at all or potentially ideas can be gathered before the meeting and shared anonymously one company i came across i was working with very interesting they actually do their brainstorming sessions in two halves because some people often introverts but some people really like time to process the idea so they have a, you know half the brainstorming meeting on one day and then the next day they'll finish it up because some people, they maybe have the shower, they go on a walk with their dog. (laughs) And so that's one way to do it. So I think there are many ways to actually explore having brainstorming sessions in different ways. They don't all have to be in person, but they can be using different means to see what works for a particular team. And it can be great to have an in-person kickoff. It can be, but the way that interactions are done and having the leader be the one who is helping make sure that everybody is heard, everybody contributes their idea. Again, some people may really prefer not to offer it themselves, but they sort of share it anonymously. And it is very typical for people within the team to to really be following the leader's example. So, if I'm I'm leading the team and, you know, everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, Sophie's idea is great, it's the best, It it may be not the best idea at all. So, if it's either anonymous or I give my idea last and we've all sort of discussed what the ideas are and the leader of the team becomes much more of the facilitator, the moderator, that in these days, it's... Also, not only is it important because leaders cannot have all the answers as we're going through so much transformation. It's it's helping teach the sort of delegation, the decentralisation of of decision making, and helping empower you know people down and out across the organisation so that teams can be responsive, so that they can take accountability for their decisions.
0: So that's a fundamental mind shift in terms of the role of the leader. So I want to emphasize leader as facilitator, not the person who knows it all, because we can't. Realistically, we can't, not in this era of work. So let's go to a third immediately useful idea for developing the empathy habit. The other
2: thing that I do think, and I'll just actually go to creating habits in terms of, there are lots of different empathy habits. It can be, um, as I said, decoding, understanding each person that you're dealing with, particularly when you're, it's helpful to have much more sensitivity to the different people that you're working with, you're doing a lot of Zoom calls. So I talk about sort of paying attention to the basic Sort of operating mode. Like for me, what is Sophie typically like on a daily basis? When we're talking with her, and we're having a meeting with her. What's her energy level? How does she typically speak? I mean, I use my hands all the lot. So if I'm using my hands all a lot, which I typically do, you can't see. Obviously, this is kind I of can't <laughs> see my hands. Yeah. But if there was suddenly a day where you don't see my hands at all, might am like, hang on a second. I think something's something's off. Like, mm. what's going on with Sophie? So pay attention very sort of overtly in a very, in a very deliberate way to be paying attention to someone's sort of normal operating mode so that then in the future you have an understanding, oh, something is off. Because sometimes we're working so you know we're working fast. We're trying to you know get so many things done that it's not so obvious. So being very deliberate and purposeful about it is something that is very helpful. And then later on, it's sort of naturally kind of like, oh, I know how Sophie is. Oh yeah, yeah, something's definitely off. I'm gonna know. I'm gonna check in with her. And so the one the other piece of all of all these empathy habits, I just wanted to check in with. So there's a you know great book by Giles Duhigg and there's another one by Gretchen Rubin about habits. And so I researched. About how easy it is or not easy it is to create habits. So there are lots of different empathy habits, whether it's about starting meetings, watching people, you know, decoding all these types of things. When you're trying to get the new habit established, have a buddy on it, and you know, you could have a different buddy. You have a different buddy who helps you not eat dessert every meal time, or we have a different buddy who's going to help you, you know, go to the gym every day. So you, for each habit, you may need a different buddy who's going to actually hold you accountable, who's going to be in that meeting, or who's going to pay attention and say. Were You paying attention to, to how Scott was doing this because I actually saw something that's going on. Did you see that? So, as we establish new habits, it's always helpful to have someone who's going to help us, support us, nudge us. It's it's great to start. We just all incrementally need to be, you know, upping our game. And it's paying more attention, it's being that much more intentional about the things that we're doing, how we're talking, the questions that we're asking. And proactive. I mean, this is this. We cannot just sit and just do our work and having it served to us and being told what to do. That doesn't work these days. We really have to step forward. And that's the way we're going to be good leaders. We're going to be helping facilitate. We're going to be training the people below us to come up, to engage and help them be taken accountability and be responsible and be the rising leaders that we need.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, we are at the end of our episode here. Sophie, this has been a really enlightening conversation. I think there is so much to unpack. And of course, that's why you have a book. (laughs) (laughs) Final thoughts about leading to compete in the new era of work? Yes, it's a lot. There is so much that is
2: changing. So give yourself a break step by step, we're all in this mess together. The good and the bad is that we're all in this mess together. Nobody's going to be getting all of it right, or even much of it right to begin with. And that's why there is a lot of tension because we would like it to be easier. We've gone through a pandemic. We'd like it to be easier. It's not easy. And it's going to be challenging and messy and and for a while. So give yourself a break, cheer yourself on and and be supportive of, of each other. Have some, some mates around you, leaders in different areas teammates as well. We're all co-creating this. It's a word or verb that's been banded around, but I do like it because we're all in this together. And I think when we do that, it actually helps us get there more easily, gives ourselves patience, gives us, you know, we get a break.
0: Absolutely. Well, Sophie, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for being our guest on Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, Scott.
1: Oh, thanks to you, Sophie. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to Growth Ignitus Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To contact us, get show notes and resource links for this week's episode, go to growthignitusradio.com and select episode 273.
0: Until next time, this is Pam
1: Harper and Scott Harper
0: wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to think about and act upon. What can we do differently, starting today, to lead with more empathy in our workplace so we can stay competitive in the new era of work?
1: Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated, All Growth Igniter's radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.